0: Joe hates how bright it is. Sam finally turned 22, which means he's feeling 22. Everything will be all right if you keep me. I don't even know the rest of the words to that song, okay? And I literally have it pulled up right in front of my other monitor. But what's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Be sure you're following my co-host, Sam Stevenson, as well as Joseph Hurf on Twitter at Shy Sam and at Joseph Urf, NFL. You know me, the main host of the show. I'm Sadco. You can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Check out all the articles that I write on empiresportsmedia.com. We got a jam-packed show for you today. I mean, Sam's the birthday boy, so he's going to explain to us why Joe should not be setting the weekly themes. He's done so for two straight weeks now. I mean, who does this guy think he is coming in here first year podcaster and kind of trying to run the show? Sam's always been my literal and figurative right-hand guy. We're going to talk about why Balk control is becoming a staple of the Bears offense are the Bears relying more on offense than defense at this point point? and how about that left tackle situation we're gonna get into that and then Herb's gonna have his hot take which have been super horrible as of late just the full disclosure Sam's gonna check in with us about the stock market and we're getting to some Bears Packers talk but Samuel happy birthday you're finally 22 seems like just yesterday you were like 14 and a half years old and like all boring and skinny and just standing there and i was just like oh look at samuel he's 14 he's on the podcast and now he's like completely grown up and i just see the tears flowing in his eyes how you doing dude and then hello joseph
1: uh, i'm doing well thank you for the the birthday shout out yeah as you said mentioned i uh i turned to 22 uh this will be out wednesday so this past monday Uh, felt more like my 21st because my 21st wasn't really 21st, as I was mentioning in the pre-show. I got the privilege of watching the Lions win on my last birthday against the Bears, and then they proceeded to wait a whole year to win again. Uh, So there's just some fun irony in that. Um, Although, honestly, that Lions-Vikings game was a little bit more entertaining than that Bears-Cardinals game. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that Joe shouldn't be setting the themes because I do like the theme for this week. Uh, I'll let him pass. I'll pass it on to him there in a moment, but uh, it is true. I have been doing this podcast for a long time with like you said uh, I remember there had always Joe, we'd always had small conversations about potentially doing a show together, but they never really came to fruition um, at one network that I won't mention. There was some, there were some potential conversations there, but uh, now it's all full circle and you got some of the best bears, content creators uh all in one network together there's a lot of power in this room but uh i'll i'll bounce it to you here joe on the on the theme for this week that i agree to by the way yeah
2: so um actually first of all i did not want to set the weekly theme i just wanted the idea that we should actually have a real in place weekly theme especially since we're like officially on this now um i feel like we should all be doing something it'd be kind of a fun way to start the podcast fun way to start the conversation get the get the juices flowing a bit so um, since Sam is the birthday boy I decided to have this theme be uh, drinks so Sam and I got a drink you said did not want to participate hes soft so I get it so <laughs> so uh cheers uh Sam I'm gonna crack this one open you I'll put in the mic too so the'
1: little S, little ASMR. some
2: oh yeah beautiful and cheers uh, brother
1: cheers. I'm uh, gonna sip mine because it's a nice IPA. That's I, mean. fair. I already got.
2: Oh yeah, I, I forgot to ask you. What's the What's the name of the drink you got? Uh, it is called
1: a. It's from Six Point Brewery. It's just called Smoothie. It is a hazy <laughs> IPA. I've never. We got this brand over Thanksgiving, and it's like a lighter, lighter IPA. It's just not super heavy, but it's a nice. It's a nice sipping one.
2: Nice. Yeah, I got my uh, – I'm a big fan of those Truly Punches. I'm not really a big Truly fan in general outside of the Punches, but these are these are fruity and these are good. They remind me of summer, so I have good memories with these things we that had, I remember at least.
1: We had those for so long in the summer. My brother left them here, and I didn't like really a lot of them. I think I had a green – the green one I Green
2: one was probably – really, I was going to say green was probably the one I liked the least. Huh, well, there you go. Great
1: minds think alike, or yeah. not like. I guess. Yeah, I guess. opposite. <laughs> opposite. Great minds think opposite.
2: That's what
0: I Nice. Nice. Yeah, obviously, Joe's very pathetic in saying that I'm soft because I actually do not drink. So we're not going to get into that. Maybe I'll talk to Joey Joe about it after the podcast but hey since it's the holiday season guys make sure you're checking out our sponsor audacia sports they got some great deals going on go get your justin field stickers i don't know what's weird is everyone that's ever worked for fireside bears have all bought them stickers but i've yet to buy joe any set of stickers but that's totally okay because he hasn't done enough to kind of deserve any free stickers from my end but maybe i'll go ahead and um Buy him a sticker or two, but it's okay. And oh, look at Joe. He's getting up and he's like trying to flip me off, but he's just completely failing. He literally looks like the token white dude who just got back from the gym. That's what Joe looks like right now. Okay. He's got the long sleeve shirt on, the shorts. Okay. <laughs> he's doing that stupid TikTok trend. But enough of the dummy dumb talk. We're going to get into big kids talk here. So, anyways, I mean, Sam, I'm going to go to you on this one because you are their birthday boy, so you're technically the second most important person in this room. Number one is Joe because first is the worst. Number two is second because second is the best, okay? But is ball control all of a sudden becoming a staple for the Bears' offense because they had the ball for 35 minutes on Sunday afternoon?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I I looked it up a little bit, um, and I I don't remember exactly the website I was looking it up on, and it was updated as of, uh, I believe, today. Um, but uh, the Bears are roughly around middle of the pack in terms of ball control overall for the season, uh, averaging around 29 minutes and 39 seconds. Um, But obviously, as I mentioned last week, ball control is going to be a big key for the Bears to potentially keep them in this game. And and in all honesty, in certain points, the the way the Bears were moving the ball, running the ball, there was chances for the Bears to stay in this game and capitalize even when Andy Dalton threw for four interceptions. Um, Obviously, it helps – with David Montgomery as your lead running back, um, you know, his ability, his vision, and obviously his just incredible athleticism allows the Bears to continue to run the ball successfully. Um, the Bears' run uh, game in general with the offensive line has been pretty good this year. Um, I think at one point they were like fifth in the league in uh, rushing yards per game. I don't know what that stat is at now at this point. Um, but obviously when you run the ball, well, you can keep the ball away from a high powered offense like Arizona, who still ultimately capitalized on the opportunities that they had. Uh, Kyler Murray looks very good. I would argue that if he didn't get hurt, he would be top three in the MVP conversation. Um, that's another conversation. Um, I think Larry Borum in particular had a very nice game. I think this was his best game in terms of run blocking schemes. Um, I didn't watch a lot of the game. I was out and about for most of Sunday, but what I did watch, I did was pretty impressed with for the most part. I mean, it's definitely a fundamental piece of this 2021 offense. I would absolutely agree with that. Considering how poor the Bears throw the ball and how bad, bad of play we've gotten from the quarterbacks at certain points. And and yes, I do throw fields in there because I do think he struggled a little bit. But when your quarterback throws four interceptions in one game with Andy Dalton doing that, I think that running the ball successfully helps counter that. And obviously, if you run the ball well, you force teams to defend that, which in turn should open up more in the passing game, but it doesn't. Um, but you can't score if your opponent doesn't have the ball. So that's as basic about football as you can get.
2: Yeah, I think they're definitely coming more to ball control. And I think it's more that the Bears are playing scared. And I think we see that on both sides of the ball. I really don't see the defense trying to aggressively create turnovers. And I think it's honestly like I don't want to blame Desai. I kind of want to blame this on what Nagy's philosophy is for this season. I think he's just playing it safe and doesn't want to get blown out by teams. So I think his whole point is to basically control the ball and not let other teams have the ball like you were saying, Sam – and in turn, let your defense not be on the field very long, and try and just basically try and hold your own on a defense without generating any sort of turnovers. Or I mean, we don't see really. I know the beginning of season we saw a lot of uh, mixtures in terms of twists and uh, and splits packages and things like that in the defense, and mixing up the zone coverages. And it was working for the majority part of the beginning of season. We saw us shut absolutely shut down the Bengals' offense, who have looked very good this season with Joe Burrow and that loaded wide receiver core and Joe Mixon. And we gave them a ton of trouble with the way we were mixing things up on defense. And now it feels like we're playing in the preseason again. It feels like we're just running standard defensive coverages. We're not doing anything special. We're not creating turnovers. So in turn, ball control is becoming a part of that because we just want to control the ball. We don't want to get blown out. Nagy's doing whatever he can to save his job and not get absolutely smoked by every team he faces. Because I think, that he's afraid of giving up a big touchdown on a, trying to create a turnover-worthy defensive play. And in terms of throwing the ball a lot, he's t- he's tired of having the defense on the field for too long. So I just think he's honestly just playing safe to save his job, and it sucks. But I do like that you touched on Larry Borm, because I was going to touch on that myself. He had an unbelievable game. He, it, was arguably, it was probably the best game of his season. And most of the time, he was lined up against pretty solid defensive ends in uh, Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones. So I was – very satisfied with how I went. And like you were saying about the game, I was at the game. So um, yeah, it was pretty horrible to be at. Um, I will take your condolences from everybody. It was just rough in terms of weather watching everything. I was suffering. So your best, what's that?
1: Your best tweet from Sunday was, and I'm out,
2: <laughs> dude, that was right. So literally me and my buddy were sitting there walking to the game. And I was like, all right, we need to set like over on, we need to set expectations of when we're going to leave this game. And, like we, and he was like, you know, we'll know when we see it. And Andy do threw that fourth interception. I looked at him I'm like, yeah, we're done. Let's leave. He's like, all right. And so we we dipped. There's like seven minutes left for the game. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I was like, let's go get our deep dish. Let me take the train back. I'm tired. This sucks. I do to wake up at six in the morning to suffer all day.
0: I mean, that's a personal choice that you decided to make, Joe, going down there. Not but true. I want
2: to. Yeah, it is. No, I decided before the season. That's not my fault. Sorry. Wait, I forgot to touch on that. So. I chose this game for two reasons before the season started. The first reason, number one, I knew that Justin Fields would win the starting job by then, and he'd be starting. So I wanted to see Justin Fields with Kyle Murray. I was like, you know what? That will be a really cool matchup to see two of the young future dual-threat quarterbacks going against each other. Could be such a fun game, right? All right, so that's a good first reason. But then Justin Fields gets hurt doesn't end up playing. The second reason... Um, childhood friend, guy who played football with my entire life, Chris Traveller was on the Cardinals. I was like, that'd be really cool to see him at a game. I want to try and get up to one of the sidelines, wave to him, say hi to him, see if I can get him over to say hi. I haven't seen him in years. He went out and played in Minnesota. He's been on the Cardinals for quite some time. He gets cut the week before the game. After being on the team for, I think, two years, year and a half. He's on the Ravens now, but I was Devastated. I was like, I went to this game for two reasons. And now Cardinals all of a sudden got good. I didn't expect them to be this good. They all of a sudden get good. They're going to blow us out. No Justin Fields, no Chris Trevler. What is the point of me being here? So I was just, I, no expectations going to the game. Continually, you said, I just had to kind of talk about that.
0: Oh, you're totally fine. But you know, I'll try to be more professional for the rest of the podcast. As you totally forget the memo because it's now hoodie yank season and you don't have a hoodie on like Sam's got one on. Nobody, I have
2: nobody, one no, on. Nobody put the memo yeah. on the chat.
0: I wear a hoodie like every single
1: day, like that. Okay, that is, okay,
0: yeah, yeah. Like but that. anyways, well. yeah, we can talk about hoodies later, gentlemen. I think I just saw one on the clearance rack at Coles for like fifteen bucks. Really good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, the ball control certainly becoming a staple for the Bears' offense because this is a team that, if you look around the league there are a couple teams that are using ball control as a staple of the offense, right? And the biggest example over the last basically three or four years has been no one other than the Tennessee Titans. And I bring the Titans up because what do they do on seems like every single play? Well, they pretty much hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. And I think that when the Titans traded for Ryan Tannehill back in 2018 or 2019, the kind of common theme was that there weren't going to be A lot of people, that kind of believed in Tannehill, but the common theme was that he was brought in primarily to push Marcus Mariota. Now, Ryan Tannehill has never been a terrible quarterback, but he hasn't ever lived up to kind of the first-round hype that made him a first-round pick in, I believe it was 2012 or or 2013. I bring that up because the Titans know and acknowledge that Ryan Tannehill is at his best when, So... Ultimately, when you're looking at that, one of the big things that you're saying and you're doing is this is the Bears need to have a David Montgomery led offense. And that's finally what they did on Sunday for the first time in what felt like forever, because David Montgomery's usage against the Lions wasn't great by any means. Wasn't terrible. It was just kind of like boring and middle of the pack. Okay, And I don't understand this coaching staff at all. In years past, what's happened with the Bears is the one-two running back duo has been Tariq Cohen as well as David Montgomery. And then you throw in that savvy vet there like a Mike Davis or even throw in there Damian Williams this year. But the problem is is that the Bears should have been running the ball and running the ball and running the ball on Sunday. And guess what? Andy Dalton still threw it a substantial amount of times. Why should the Bears have been running the ball? Because – when you look at David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, you have two runners who are very hard runners. They're instinctive. They've got great contact balance. They've got great vision. Okay. They have pretty good hands too. Okay. They are rock solid when it comes to holding onto the football. You have two power runners, which means that the. Weather on Sunday with the rain and the wind and the whatever, the snow that happened, that's the type of game where you need to use two power runners. This coaching staff didn't do that. Khalil Herbert had minimal impact as a runner. It just blows my mind that we're sitting here even talking about that because Matt Nagy's going to get fired soon, which I totally forgot. We're going to add that to the outline right before Herb's hot takes. But the point is, is that the ball control is becoming a staple for the Bears. The Bears also had 26 first downs. When David Montgomery got going early and often, I was like, you know what? This is a game where if the Bears stick to the game plan, they have a chance at making competitive. I knew that they weren't going to win, but I was like, this game can at least be competitive. And again, the Bears had their moments to keep this game competitive, but they just didn't do enough.
2: Yeah, I'll just add on to that just in terms of what they were doing. I I remember I noticed I looked over at the game when it was 14-0. We had just gotten the ball back after they scored their second touchdown, we had more offensive yards than they did when it was 14-0. And that just is a testament to our offense and our defense. Our offense turning the ball over on our side of the field very easily. Our offense moving the ball well and then turning it over stupidly on a stupid mistake like the Cole commit, giving up a free interception to them. It was just a very, very frustrating game overall. Like you're saying, Cole Herbert needs to be used more. That dude, like I was saying a few weeks ago, he needs to be the short yardage guy. He... There's, there were so many times I saw on Sunday that he should have been tackled for a loss when he would touch the ball and he would somehow get three or four yards out of it. Again, Montgomery's the same way, but Clow Herbert is just such a good downhill runner. It's so much fun to watch. And Montgomery, his shiftiness is just so beautiful. I, I saw a spin move he had in that game. I was it was right in front of me, right in front of our seats. I was like blown away. It was so awesome. It's just they need to compliment this running game better. Like we get the running game going and then we build nothing off of it. We try play action and the route concepts behind the play action are just so disgustingly ugly that nobody gets open. And even when somebody gets open, Andy Dalton misthrows somebody. Where he, We had one where uh, Jakeem Grant, it was actually a beautiful route concept. We had both the wide receivers blocking downfield, basically, uh, within five yards. And then Jakeem Grant was running a crossing route on the first interception of the game, wide open. Dude probably would have gone for a 30-yard gain. And Andy Dalton overthrew him by a mile. Jakeem Grant got a fingertip to it. It got picked off. The rest is history. So... It's just nothing's going right for this offense at all. And it's so frustrating to watch because we have all the pieces in place. It's just obviously coaching is such a major issue.
1: And you talk about pieces, Joe. I, I want to talk a little bit more about the offensive line. I uh, I decided to watch the, the weather-ridden uh, Bills-Patriots game last night. And, of course, obviously the uh, Patriots just ran the ball down the Bills' throat. Um, Damian Harris had a beautiful cut up field for a 60 plus yard, uh, touchdown, um, had ended up over having over a hundred rushing yards. But when you look at the Patriots run scheme, what makes it work so well is it's not just the Damian Harris show. We talked about Khalil Herbert and why he's no longer being utilized. And it's very frustrating because you have a young sixth round pick that has rushed for a hundred yards in a game this year against one of the best run defense in those in the league at the time with the Buccaneers. And you look at the Patriots' run scheme, and you have guys like Damian Harris who are similar to David Montgomery in the sense that they're a little bit more agile. They have good field vision. But then you have those bruiser-type guys like uh, Ramon? I don't know how to say his name. Stevenson. Thank you. I know his last name because obviously we share a great last name. You have guys like that who are just bruisers. They just absolutely punish defenses. They can run downfield. They're strong, big guys. And you have a guy like that in Khalil Herbert. And it's obviously frustrating because teams then have to prepare for multiple backs. But if you don't utilize that young talent that you have, who you already have game film of of being successful in this run scheme, you're wasting that potential. Now you look at the Bears' offensive line. Where is there finally some consistency at some places? Like I mentioned, Larry Borum had one of his best running – in terms of running run-blocking games on Sunday. James Daniels is finally starting to play to his potential because he's been consistent at that position. Not every guy has been great. We've talked about Sam Muster out; He struggled a little bit. Cody Whitehair struggled a little bit, but then you look at a team like the Patriots and I'm still going to use them as an example because that offensive line is solid. When you have a solid offensive line with a couple of decent running backs that have different styles of play teams have to prepare for all of that. And do you know who that helps out in the end? rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, who's having arguably a very, very strong season and is probably the front runner for offensive rookie of the year. That would help Justin Fields. That would help Andy Dalton. And the bears, like you mentioned, Joe, have the pieces for some of that, but they're not all the way there. And ultimately the talent that they do have isn't being utilized to its full potential. And that all falls on them.
2: I like that you bring that up though. Cause I, w- I want to touch on this quickly because It's not. we're not saying either that the Bears need to exactly run the Patriots offense because I want to make that clear because Justin Fields is not built to just hand the ball off 40 times a game and then throw it 15 times and go 14 to 15, throwing the ball three yards a play because that's all Matt Jones is doing. He's Mr. Checkdown. He's basically just Brady when Brady was having weak arm strength and they were just checking down constantly to James White and their tight ends. That's not what Justin Fields needs to be doing, but they do need to be using the run to develop the passing game and the play action game behind it in different ways, while also developing RPO plays, develop uh, putting the wildcat plays back in there and throwing teams off like that. Like like you're saying, we like you're saying, Sam, we have all the pieces there to be an offense as strong as the Patriots, but better because we have the explosive playability from guys like Darnell Mooney, uh, Jakeem Grant, Marquis Goodwin when he's healthy, Damir Bird. The Patriots don't really have that; they don't really have anybody who's that explosive, but we do. And we also have a quarterback that can throw the ball super far down the field and can also run. We have all that big playability on top of it, and we just don't play to it at all. And it's very, very frustrating.
0: I will say regarding Mac Jones, Um, he's looked pretty good this year. And you know what? Quite frankly, it's because the scheme that he ran at Alabama, the Patriots are running the exact same thing. And so ultimately, you kind of see that the transition for him was made seamless. And then just having the best head coach in NFL history for a rookie quarterback, I mean, is really going to make a rookie quarterback look better than expected. I always liked Mac Jones coming out of Alabama. I just never wanted him on the bears because I knew that the bears needed an impact player at that position. Can Mac develop into a pretty good impact player? Yeah. But I don't know if he's going to be the kind of player that you win games because of and not necessarily with. But kind of moving on here, I mean, we're going to stick with the offensive side of the ball. Joe, I'm going to bounce this over to you because it's been very clear when you look at this ball control philosophy, the Bears' defense has been on the field at times, but the offense has been on the field more, and the offense is able to go ahead and sustain some long drives. There were two drives of seven-plus minutes on Sunday afternoon, but are the Bears relying more on offense than defense at this point?
2: Yeah, I kind of touched on that when we talked about it at the very beginning, but it just seems like Matt Nagy's new philosophy is just protecting his job. So in turn, he's allowing the – he's basically – I, I, I honestly, again, I can't tell. This is just my assumption of what it looks like from an outside point of view. I thought Desai, when the games were very winnable at the beginning of the season, Desai's defense was mixing up coverage as well, mixing up blitz packages, mixing up coverage packages. He was mixing it all very well. Now it seems like he's playing in the preseason we see standard nickel, we see standard three, four, we see standard dime. That's it. We see basic coverages, basic man, basic cover two, basic cover three, no crazy blitzes, no crazy twists, no crazy, nothing like that. Like we would see plays where Khalil Mack would, would uh, crash down out of the offensive guard into the center and take out multiple people while the defensive tackle wrapped around him and got a free sack. We don't see any of that now. We just see standard four person rush, nothing crazy. And, I think it's because the new philosophy of Nagy is just trying to save his job, trying to make games bearable. So he can say, okay, well, we did lose this weekend, but we only lost by 11 to the Arizona Cardinals or winning the NFC. So is it really that bad? And he can kind of just twist all these games. And he's just trying to use it as leverage. He doesn't want to get blown out and fired mid-season. He doesn't want to lose. I mean, if he – again, if he could have been aggressive, that might have been a winnable, winnable game. If he, But it also could have been the other way around that we could have got blown out 49-7. to if he was playing aggressive, taking shots downfield, trying to create turnovers on defense. So due to the defense kind of playing, like, we don't want to give up so many points. We just want to let you control the ball. We give up everything pretty easy. They also want to control the ball on offense very long to save their defense and not keep them on the field very long.
1: So when I think about kind of the idea of of what are the bears relying on more at this point? It's kind of like flipping a coin about which side of the football is going to play bad. The offense is, uh, averaging, I think the least amount of yards per game in the league right now. I think that's the official stat. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong there. The defense, on the other hand, they're definitely gashed. Um, in games where Khalil Mack has not played, the bears have allowed, uh, over 25 points per game games that he's played it was more uh around 23 which isn't like a huge factor but ultimately you spread out those five games into the two more games that average points is going to go up the bears are missing clue right now and remember the bears have let up I believe four plus games with teams scoring over 30 on them obviously the Rams the Cardinals the Buccaneers and then I believe uh there's another team but I don't remember I think the Steelers were close I think it was 29. I, uh, I was trying to figure out if this is the Bears offense becoming more of the vocal point uh, of the team this year. And again, we, we talked about this a really long time ago. Um, talking, I, I know I definitely mentioned this, how if the Bears defense starts to decline, can the offense start taking a step forward? Um, so I did some math. I did crunching some numbers. I compared Andy Dalton to Justin Fields. And let me tell you guys, the average points per game between the two quarterbacks, it's not much very more significant. Andy Dalton starts, if you calculate him leaving the Bengals game and coming in for the Ravens game, the offense has averaged roughly 14.4 points per game in those games. With Justin Fields' seven starts, not including the majority of the Bengals game that he played, it's 16.6. Now, I have other numbers here. I'm not going to just spew off a bunch of numbers, like if you calculate um if you take out the Bengals game for dalton it's like 16.2 if you if you put in the Bengals game for fields it's like 16.1 regardless none of those numbers are good this is an offense that can run the football well and they can't pass the ball well and yes some of that blame is to the quarterbacks but when i think about which side of the ball the team needs to rely on they are the defense is relying on the bears to hopefully run the football well for david montgomery to play well and if the Bears get down and they have to throw the ball, there is absolutely no guarantee that either quarterback can get it done. Now, I have more faith in Justin Fields because we've seen him do it, particularly against the Steelers game, when he actually drove the team down the field and almost got them the win. But obviously the Steelers came back because, again, the defense has been gashed and they're not playing well. And, again, I don't want to point fingers at anybody, but we saw this coming for a while. This is a defense that Ryan Pace built. In 2018. So there's no definitive answer for me. I'm going to go right back to the point that I started with. It is literally flipping a coin for which side of the football is going to play worse uh, every Sunday.
0: Well, look, for me, all this comes down to one thing. There's a lot to look at here. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think that the offense is certainly playing a bit better than the defense, but we also have to keep something in mind is that Khalil Mack, like you guys touched on, is basically the Drew Brees of this defense. And what I mean by that is this, because I've said this a couple times, and I know Sam's looking at his Twitter right now with a stupid grin on his face, because Joe just tweeted at him. Now, please don't ever do that again on my podcast. Thank you, or our podcast. But Khalil Max, essentially the Drew Brees of this defense. Because if you look at the Saints all those years, what happened? They had zero talent, and they were just winning five, six, seven, eight, nine games. And why? Because but they weren't very good. Why? did they win so many games because there was a franchise quarterback that was keeping them in those games and then all of a sudden what happened is this is Drew Brees retires and the Saints are basically back to square one with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas being out it's kind of the same thing here right the Bears don't have their superstar on the defensive side of the ball and then things are going absolutely haywire Robert Quinn Roquan Smith can't do everything each week Eddie Jackson Jalen Johnson your only solid options in coverages I think that Sean Desai is defensive coordinator that has everything needed to build and command a top 10 unit. But the problem is this is that in a pass heavy league, cornerback is the most important position on the defensive side of the ball outside of pass rusher. When, You are down to third, fourth string guys. That's a big issue because you can't rely on these players like Artie Burns, Xavier Crawford, Kendall Wilder, Duke Shelley to even begin to really make an impact. Side note, I thought Artie Burns played another pretty decent game on – Sunday afternoon and I do think and I wrote this in my takeaways piece maybe already burn shows enough potential over the next five games to the point where the Bears are looking at him and saying hey you know what you're in your early 20s Well, we'll bring you back for 2022 as a stopgap solution while we develop some other young cornerbacks that are not only low day three draft picks. And so, yeah, I think the Bears, you know, looking at the offensive side of the ball, this is a team that, look, the moments have been there more in 2021 in terms of this is a unit that's going to finally put it all together than there were in 2019, 2020. If you remember 2019, the Bears couldn't do anything correctly on the offensive side of the ball. It sounds like it's the same thing right now. But I do want to say this, is that 2020, there were some bright moments, but running a two-quarterback system instead of focusing on just one scheme really hurt the Bears. And now in 2021, we're seeing pretty much at times a different scheme being run, but you're also seeing at times Justin Fields and Andy Dalton are pretty much doing a lot of the same basic things that are required from a good NFL quarterback. And you are seeing the offense take off just a bit. I mean, just go back earlier in the season, irrespective of Sunday, you know what, when you look at some of those long drives against a team, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, we all have to admit something is that that fourth quarter comeback that the bears had, that's something that we would really ever see. And Justin Fields was the reason that that comeback even happened. And then you look around the league too. I mean, when Fields is playing, right, what are the Bears doing? I mean, they're able to move the ball effectively. They've moved the ball effectively with Dalton, but at the end of the day, it's come down to not being able to punch the ball in the end zone when it matters most, which by the way, the Bears were four for four and three for three on red zone opportunities, along with fourth down conversions in case you didn't know. So again, we're seeing the flashes and the potential, but it's still too little too late. But I think that Matt Nagy's finally saying, you know what? I am relying more on my offense than my defense at this point, and I'm just going to have to call it a day, and that's how it is.
2: Yeah, I like you touched on the red zone thing because the main issue was because Andy Dolan's, all of his interceptions were not in the red zone, and obviously any other position we punted. So, um, But we did do much better in the red zone. I mean, it was fairly easy for us against the Cardinals. They didn't have a good run defense against us. We just pounded the ball in the red zone, got touchdowns every time, I believe. One of the touchdowns we I didn't see the I, well, I saw a highlight of the last touchdown. I didn't see it in person to Jakeem Grant, but um I did see the touchdown to Jimmy Graham that I literally I so before the game started, I was like, you know, I'm gonna throw an anytime touchdown score on Jimmy Graham little bet because I just had a feeling that he'd have a little garbage touchdown like that. And yeah, expected he it was a pretty easy touchdown. But also wanted to touch on quickly, you were kind of talking about the schemes of Fields and Dalton. It really feels like the scheme for Fields and Dalton is very similar in terms of route concepts but it seems like the play calling for Andy Dalton is much better. And it's very frustrating to see because, again, we're seeing so many running plays and so many great opportunities to set up play action that are wasted by Dalton because he can't make throws. And if we just had those opportunities for Fields, we'll see what we saw in the Steelers game. Like that thing, what we saw in the Steelers game is what is like what we should see from Justin Fields every week. That is, that looked like an average game that I think for Justin Fields, he'll have way better games in his career like I'm just that high on him that I think that could be just his average output of a game, and that's because there was good play calling on the last few drives that made him make comeback, and it just ties back to every year. It feels like I mean it was the total meme the last few years with Mr. Biscay two minute Mitch. Like it seems like or it seems like Nagy can only call good plays when they're down and they need points like badly. They're down by a touchdown. They need to score really badly. It seems like that's the only time he can call good plays and the only time his quarterbacks can execute is when they need to score points. And I just – I don't understand. Like, why can't you do that all game?
1: And I also don't – you know, they brought Nagy in in 2018 where Mitch Chibisky had just came off a a so-so rookie year and and clearly it didn't work out with Mitch. And now you have a head coach that has some say in the quarterback selection. They trade up for their guy. You know, the plan is to start Dalton. They want this sort of Kansas City – you know Mahomes Alex Smith sort of thing obviously the roster isn't talented enough Andy Dalton gets hurt in week two Fields has to come in there's a lot of potential there Nagy finally names him the starter and it just kind of seems like you just didn't prepare enough for your rookie quarterback to potentially take over like did they truly think that Andy Dalton was going to play all 17 games this year Was that really the plan for Andy Dalton to start all 17 games? This Bears roster is very top heavy and had no depth. I truly do not understand why you could not figure out a scheme for a rookie quarterback like Justin Fields. I mean, and I don't really have much else to say because again, I get to a point where it's frustrating because Fields is more athletic. He has the stronger arm right now. It's nothing against Andy Dalton. He's just younger right now and is a much higher ceiling than Andy Dalton has because Andy Dalton is a seasoned veteran who's been in the league for a long time and came in to kind of be the starter while Fields develops. I don't really have much else I can really add here because again, like we've kind of spoken it into exhaustion, Uh, exhaustion. Yeah. I think that's how you say it. Regardless, it's very, very frustrating because I do. I truly believe that Justin Fields was going to help take this offense to the next level and, yeah, I didn't think the offense was going to be top ten. I didn't think Fields was going to be the coming of Jesus Christ. But, I mean, I don't know how you don't prepare better for your rookie quarterback. I'm just going to leave it at that because otherwise I'm going to get very frustrated. I'm going to say a lot of things. and I'm going to get angry because Matt Nagy makes me angry because his Bears' offense is so bad. I'm going to keep blaming him. So that's where I'm at.
0: That's where you're at. We'll figure out the whys of that's why where you're at, where you are. Pretty sure that's how Matt Nagy says it. Yeah, I know my joke is super funny, but listen, guys, moving on here, I mean, Tevin Jenkins was active for the first time in the NFL regular season in his career on Sunday. There's still five games left to go in the season, and this brings up a really important question because Tevin Jenkins was labeled as a top-20 draft pick, but he fell all the way to the 39th overall pick where the Bears traded from 52 to 39 to grab him because the Bears believe that he was going to be the offensive tackle of the future. And then it's like two to three days after the draft, you go ahead and you basically cut Charles Leno Jr. After Ryan Pace, the general manager, had kind of alluded to not committing to where Tevin Jenkins would play on the offensive line because he played pretty much every position but center at Oklahoma State. This brings up the question. If Jason Peters is 40 years old and he's not going to be here in 2021, for me, it makes sense to go ahead and just start Tevin Jenkins and call it a date. Why? Because right now where the Bears are at, guys, they need to figure out, who's going to be here in 2022 and who's not going to be here in 2022. And more than anything, they need to see if Tevin Jenkins is capable of protecting Justin Fields blindside. Otherwise you are going to have to reshuffle the offensive line, even though five games is an incredibly small sample size. I just going to say this. If Tevin Jenkins is showing he can't get it done, then you're just going to have to go with someone else.
2: Yeah. I kind of want to touch on this first because I Talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast, and I want to touch on it again. Sam Musfer should not be in the future plans. So I when, when it comes to the question, are you going Tevin Jenkins or Jason, Jason Peters? I'm going both. I'm getting Sam Musfer out of that starting lineup. He has had snap issues every single game. Like that was the big knock on Cody Whitehair that everybody complained about. Oh, snap issues, whatever. Sam Musfer has had those same issues, and nobody's making the big deal out of it that they make about Cody Whitehair. On top of it, He sucks. Like, plain and simple. He's not good. He's weak. He's he's not fast. He's nothing special. He's smart, but that's about it. Cody Whitehair is also smart. Cody is also bigger. Cody Whitehair might have snapping issues, but that's they both have him, so why not move Cody Whitehair to center? He's obviously struggling right now left guard. Like, he was playing at a very high level at the end of last season at left guard, but he has not taken that kind of... He's not taking the step off of that and kept playing at that level, so why not change it up? Give him a little change of scenery, see if it affects him at all, because... The Bears could easily save money next season by cutting him. So why not try him at center and see if it would be worth cutting him? If he becomes – if he plays very well at center to end the season, you definitely want to keep him in-house because having a strong, good center is very valuable to his offense. So move Cody Whitehair to center. Move Jason Peters to left guard. If he doesn't want to, fine, whatever. Then, yeah, then get Jason Peters out of there. But regardless, I think the big issue needs to be Cody Whitehair needs to move. And as a result, Tevin Jenkins also needs to get in there because, as you were saying – He's a guy you traded up for. We surrendered a third round pick in order to move up and get him. He should be getting valuable playing time this season. And again, this is just kind of Nagy trying to protect himself. Like it's just another reason when the end of the season meetings come and he's trying to save his job. Well, we have our franchise left tackle. We didn't even get to see him yet. So how do you know I should be fired? Like I didn't even get my full strength on the offensive line. He was never healthy. It's just he's just trying to add on to these like reasons of why he needs to stay. And sitting Jenkins the whole season would be just another good reason for that. So I think the best offensive line, obviously, if it all works out, is Jenkins at left tackle, Peters at left guard, white hair at center, and then the right side stays the same and move on from there. But in terms of what in terms of what might happen, Peters might not want to play left guard. So then, yeah, you can put in bars at left guard. You can put in Jermaine Fetty whenever he comes back, which I still have no idea what the update is on him. I have not heard a word about him in so long, but – Regardless, there's options, and we have options here, and we need to get Tevin Jenkins on the field.
0: Look, you do need to get Tevin Jenkins on the field, but also let's just throw out a hypothetical scenario here. Let's just say that Matt Nagy's, in fact, doing what you just said. Joe, in terms of – saying, well, I'm not going to play Tevin Jenkins because I'm trying to protect my job and I'm doing this for me and not the team. One, you're doing a disservice to the entire team and the organization, but I think if that's what Matt Nagy's really doing, then your ownership and you're the front office, you're looking at this and you're saying, no, that's a dumb reason. We're not going to go ahead and listen to your reasoning on that, that I didn't play Tevin Jenkins. I don't know what I have in him, but he is my franchise left tackle even though I have not seen him play yet because you actually have to see players play and do it consistently at a high level before you can declare them franchise cornerstones, but not in Matt Nagy's world. But if that's what Matt Nagy's doing, let's just say in a hypothetical scenario, then I'm ownership and I'm the front office. I'm looking at this and you know what? I'm firing this guy because I'm, you could also pull the card and say, Hey, guess what? We did give you the opportunity to play Tevin Jenkins he was there. He was ready to go. That's a switch you decided not to make for a player that's not even going to be on the roster in 2022, so we're going to go ahead and just get rid of you anyways, but go ahead, Sam.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you guys both bring up a lot of really good points here, and I, I kind of wrote, when I was doing my, my notes for this, I kind of wrote what the Bears should do versus what the Bears are going to do, um, so what the Bears should do is they should play Tevin Jenkins. Um, you need to have them get live reps at this point. You know, ultimately, you cut Charles Leno Jr. to then go out and make this trade for Tevin Jenkins. Again, the Bears did use a lot of draft capital to get both Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins. And ultimately, you want to make sure that you're paying out those dividends if you're Ryan Pace and if you're this Bears front office. And again, you're hoping that he is the long-term solution to your left tackle spot, with hopefully Larry Borum being a either short-term or long-term piece at the right tackle spot. Because if you're like, and I've mentioned this before on the show, if you if you have an offense in 2022 that has a young receiver in Darnell Mooney, a solid run game, and two young offensive tackles in Borum and Jenkins who can both play well, Justin Fields is set up to be very successful for a decent amount of time. What the Bears are going to do is they're going to continue to play Peters unless he gets hurt and have Jenkins be used in a sparing role because the team is stubborn and they think they're somehow still going to be successful and make the playoffs, even though they're 4-8 and they're about to play their divisional rival, who they have not beaten since December of 2018. And unless a miracle happens, I don't think they're going to beat again. And it's very frustrating. It's nothing against Jason Peters, but he is almost 40 years old. The Bears literally called him while he was on a fishing boat. It makes no sense to not play the, the in essence, first-round talent that you might potentially have at tackle if he's healthy that you traded up for and have him sit on the bench the rest of the season. Get him live reps. Get him moving in the offense. Allow him to go against competition that's not somebody in practice. Larry Borum got thrown into the lion's den and had to play guys like TJ Watt And has been doing pretty well. Not amazing, but not terrible. He's been solid in pass blocking. He's gotten better in run blocking. You can't get better if you don't play your young players. Let's see what we have in Tevin Jenkins. But again, the Bears are probably going to keep Peters. They're not going to move on from Sam Mustafer this year. They're going to continue with the unit that they have because it's all about Cohesion and and you know the whys as you said mentioned earlier and it's it's very frustrating because I would like to see Tevin Jenkins play but I know the Bears aren't going to put him in.
2: Maybe add, they well, can go ahead, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna say maybe they can collaborate
0: on figuring out how to make some shuffles and switches on the offensive line. But go ahead, Joe, before we move on to our next topic.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to say I, I love that you brought up that they're going to keep Sam for in and keep this exact same lineup because it is so funny how my favorite motto and it's become honestly one of my life mottos because I saw it as a description for Nagy an and it is really perfect. The measure of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And that is what we do every single week. I'm glad we made one change and put Artie Burns at corner. That is the only change that we have made on the entire team outside of an injury. Like how do you do, I, I guess Larry born for Elijah Wilkinson, but that was all because Wilkinson got COVID like five times and also got hurt. So we also saw how good Borum was, so he won the job. But outside of that, what other changes have we made out besides injuries? Nothing at all. It's been horrible. Like how – yeah, I just had to talk about that because it they won't change anything, and it's unbelievable to me.
0: All right, so real quick, I want to tackle this topic quickly because everyone's talking about the possibility of firing Matt Nagy, but – NBC Sports' Adam Hogue went ahead and reported that there's a possibility Sunday could be Matt Nagy's last game if the Bears lose. So, Sam, I see the look on your face. How much do you believe in this? Because, one, it is coming from a real reputable source, but then also, number two, the significance is that the Bears can finally start interviewing candidates or getting an interview list together with the last four or five games of the season coming up to start interviewing around week 17, week 18. And then also, when you look at this it is against the Packers. So how much are you putting into this, man?
1: I just put up a big fat zero on my screen. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I, I love Adam Ha. Uh, I love the guys from The Athletic. Like I, I do I do read their stuff constantly. Like And obviously, I know he's a big-time Bears name um, and obviously a reporter that you can trust and rely on. The Bears have never done it before. They've never fired a coach midseason. And obviously, this would be the time to do it. Packers week. The Bears lose; they're probably officially, mathematically out of the playoffs. The rest of the schedule, an intern head coach could probably co- help the Bears coast through that. And again, they could start you know—they could start interviewing potential candidates. We've talked about some candidates on the show. We'll probably talk more if Nagy does get fired. I'll believe it when I see it. Like, that's kind of where I'm at as a Bears fan. I'm not going to get my hopes up anymore. I'm not going to get to the point where I'm like, oh, maybe this is it. Like, I got to root for a loss here because I don't like rooting for the Bears to lose, especially against Green Bay. I hate Green Bay. I don't like Aaron Rodgers, even though he's very good at football. I'll believe it when I see it. And I'm going to leave it at that because, again, I think there's just been a lot of rumors and reports of, oh, if they lose against the Lions on Thanksgiving, like that's the last straw. And if they lose this game, or if they they can't figure this out, and oh, it's Packers week, so it makes sense. If it happens, then I'll I'll eat my words and I'll I'll say I should have you know should have, that's the reliable source I should have believed. But people have been talking about it all year, and it hasn't happened. I do not think the Bears are going to move on from Matt Nagy until the end of the season. So that is where I'm at with that report. You know, if the Bears lose and it happens, great. I'll apologize next Tuesday. But for right now, I'm sorry. I just don't believe
2: it. Yeah, man, I'm in the same boat. Like, I just think, again, I'm the same boat as you. I love the athletic guys. Adam Hogue, awesome dude. I think he's very good at uh, his job. He's definitely a guy that I look up to in terms of the reporting industry. But I think most of these guys right now are just trying to be the guy who reports it first. And I think after every single – it's really been like every week. Oh, Matt to be fired after this game. Like, like you were saying, the Lions game. Whoever that dude was that came out and said that he's already been told he's going to be fired, or we were told that oh, he's going to be fired after the Ravens game. They lost that. They got they lost after a bye week to a backup quarterback. Um, that they were going to be fired before that he's gonna be fired before the bye week. Uh, like you said, after the Lions game, after this game, like now it's after the Packers game. Like, I, i like you said, I'll believe when I see it. I, I could see it happening again. Like he could be fired at any point. I could definitely be like, all right, that makes sense, but. Again, I don't see it happening. Like, the Bears are expected to lose like a game. If it was a game like the Lions game or a game like the Ravens game where they lost and they were not supposed to lose like, a backup quarterback, then, yeah, I'd be like, well, again, it makes sense. But losing to the Packers, that's expected at this point. They're top of the division. They're 9-3. and three. Like, we we shouldn't expect to win this game. So, I don't know why he'd be fired for this game of any of them. But, I mean, hey, if it gets them fired, that's fine by me.
0: Yeah, it's look for me, it's tough to kind of believe in these reports, because at the end of the day, there's stuff that floats out there that's legit. And I can tell you guys firsthand, there's stuff that's out there that floats around from people that's legit. And we all have someone in our phone that's providing us legit information. But then there's also stuff that's out there that you're like, okay, you're not really sure how true this is. And what I find to be very interesting is this, is that there's such a common theme behind everyone that's kind of reported, Oh this could possibly be Matt Nagy's last game he's going to be fired is that this stuff is coming out a couple of days before the game. So when you're looking at this, you're looking at this like, wait, so you have someone out there that basically knows Matt Nagy's getting fired. And so how is the organization handling this? Are they going and telling Matt Nagy, Hey, this could be your final game if you lose on national television to Green Bay. And I understand the McCaskey family has always used Bears Packers week as a big measuring stick of where the Bears are really at compared to their rivals up north. But at the end of the day, I mean, there have been some really embarrassing losses in the Matt Nagy area to Green Bay and. The fact being that one at the towards the end of the twenty twenty one season is the one that kind of puts the everything into perspective for management and for management to go ahead and say, yeah, you know what? Okay, this is it. Like because of this game, Matt Nagy's done it. That absolutely makes zero sense because you have to evaluate him on basically four years worth of work. And in four years, I mean, outside of two thousand eighteen, so really three years worth of work. Matt Nagy hasn't proven much, and you can just look at his track record. Both in Lambeau and outside of Lambeau and say, Yep, he hasn't been the guy to get it done against the Packers. So we just can't keep doing this anymore. And quite frankly, it's a foregone conclusion. Matt Nagy is going to be gone. It's not a matter of if it's going to be a matter of when. At the start of the season, it was a, and throughout mid October, basically up until right before the calendar turned to November, it was always, is there a possibility that Matt Nagy gets fired? And now it's, when will Matt Nagy get fired? But, Herf, I'm going to go to you on this one. I mean, hit me with a hot take in this extremely cold weather. And then, Sam, let's check in on the stock market right afterwards.
2: First, I wanted to say, since you brought up Nagy against the Packers, um, all I'm saying is Jim Harbaugh is undefeated against Green Bay as a coach. So let's bring him in. But, uh, no, back to the hot takes. So against Green Bay this week, um, I'm not sure. Again, it's kind of hard. Because we don't know, I, I think Justin Fields plays. I think he's healthy now, so um, I say if he does play, I think we see another Durham in Money explosion game. I think he goes for over 100 yards with uh, Robinson demanding much of the attention. I think uh, Fields has a, a very solid game as well, throwing for at least 200 yards um, and two touchdowns. And I think the Bears end up losing. So just kind of want to be pretty standard. I don't know if that's hot, but I mean, I think the Bears can kind of not hold their own, but. I think their offense will do pretty solid against this Packers defense, better than some will expect, especially after that Cardinals game. But um, especially if Fields plays and he's healthy, I, I could see him kind of having a nice little bounce back game. Again, it's all dependent on the game. The, that's the hard part about these hot takes. I have no idea what play call we're going to see this week. Like, It's just so frustrating.
1: No, I, I mean, I think if you think about the game earlier this year, like the, the Bears were absolutely in that game for a lot of it. It, it comes down to mistakes and penalties and just, you know, Ultimately, like stuff like dropped interceptions against Aaron Rodgers. You can't have that. If you have an opportunity to pick off Aaron Rodgers, you have to get it. If you don't, like the next play, the, the Packers can score. Mistakes on offense, too. Like you have to be able to capitalize against the Packers on offense. It's it's kind of similar to when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, prior to kind of this year, although they're starting to come back into full form. You can't kick field goals against the Kansas City Chiefs. Kind of have to do the same thing against the Packers. You can't really kick Field goals against Packers because they're a good enough team on both sides of the ball. Well, they'll punish you for doing that. So I definitely agree. I do hope Fields can play because if I have to see Nick Foles trot out there on Sunday night, I'm not, I don't know if I can watch a single minute of that game. And I have Darnell Mooney in fantasy, so it would be nice to uh, have Fields play because I'd like to be able to play Mooney if I can, but. Yeah, I mean, it is. I definitely agree. It is not the easiest thing to do right now to do hot takes with so much uncertainty with the bears, but that is the bears for you.
0: All right, Sam, let's get into the stock market. Stock up, stock down. Who are you buying into this week? Who you selling?
1: Alrighty, so uh, I hope you guys are all ready to start uh, capitalizing on stocks that are rising right now and to start selling on your stocks that are plummeting a little bit. Uh, I got two for stocks up this week and I got one for stock down uh stacked up these are all offensive players by the way all these players played on offense um my first stack up is a guy who needs no introduction it's david montgomery uh we've kind of talked about him a little bit early on the show so i'm not going to go too much into detail had a very strong showing against the cardinals um has clearly become a leader on this bears uh, team both on offense and just in the team in general um i truly don't know what the bears would do if they didn't have david montgomery obviously again we mentioned Uh, praise for Khalil Herbert, but Khalil Herbert is not who David Montgomery is right now. Um, So his stock is definitely rising. If you have him in fantasy, play him in fantasy the rest of the year, because he's probably going to have a lot of big games. We talk about ball control for the bears at all starts with David Montgomery. My second one is a guy who I think a lot of people have been critical of in the past. uh, Jakeem Grant, a guy who's gotten more involved on offense. Again, I did not watch a ton of the game on Sunday. I was out and about for most of the day. Um, But I did have a chance to watch the route that he had where I believe it was him who scored. My memory may be mistaking me. Joe's nodding his head. Yeah, he scored the last touchdown of the game. Very good. Okay, so I wasn't just imagining that. Really crisp route. I love that the Bears are starting to use his speed a little bit. I think the guy should be in a Bears jersey in 2022. You already traded for him as is you might as well capitalize on the fact that he is starting to get more involved in offense. Miami never really utilized that speed to the full potential. So for Grant to kind of start figuring it out for the Bears offense, it's just such a huge deal because he could potentially become an explosive fast piece for this Bears next year. Uh, but I thought he had a really strong outing considering that the Bears' uh, wider receiver core is so, so bad um, for the most part. Um, really not a lot of good depth. So I liked what I saw out of Grant. Stock down, I mentioned him earlier, Andy Dalton, four interceptions, man, that's inexcusable. I understand they weren't all necessarily his fault, but I think that's the fifth time Andy Dalton has done that in his career. And that last one in particular was an absolute you know, gut check. Uh, I honestly switched to red zone as soon as that happened and said, I'm done with this game. This is the guy that... Matt Nagy was trying to convince everybody and Ryan Pace was trying to convince everybody like this is going to be the guy this year until Fields is ready. And and again, I know Dalton has been a respectful, uh, a respective uh, veteran in this league. Respectable is the word I was trying to say. Uh, And he's had a couple of really good seasons with Cincinnati, but he's not the same quarterback he was five, seven years ago. You know, Sunday's game proved that Fields should be the starter when healthy. Obviously Nagy has alluded to that, but Justin Fields is the better quarterback when the Bears play, uh, when all three quarterbacks are healthy. So my stocks are sinking for Andy Dalton. They are rising for Jakeem Grant, David Montgomery. Any thoughts from my fellow co-hosts regarding those three players?
2: I love Jakeem Grant, so I'm really glad you talked about him. Um, I I tweeted that. I, I literally just tweeted like during the game, I like Jakeem Grant. And people are just saying, like, yeah, just as a partner turner. No, I like him as a wide receiver, too. Like you're saying, I think uh, – no, honestly, I think he replaces Tariq Cohen next year. I, th- I think that wouldn't be a bad idea to cut – save some money, cut Tariq Cohen again. I think Cohen's injury with the mental block, obviously, it feels like it's definitely a mental thing. There's no shot he should be out this long unless it's something mental or another surgery. So, if it's been this long, dude – Sorry, like we, he cut ties with you, and Jakeem Grant could easily place that role that you fill as a partner-turner and as a kind of joker type of player that he was playing. So, like you talked about him, glad somebody actually appreciates him.
0: Yeah, I'm going to add this about Jakeem Grant is I'm skeptical of the way – I understand how he's being used, but I'm also skeptical of why the Bears have had this guy on the roster for pretty much the entire season – and Tariq Cohen's been out, and they're just starting to use him now. It makes me think, hey, is Jakeem Grant being used in the role that he is as a joker-type player as that versatile chess piece? Because there are injuries to guys like Marquise Goodwin, and they're certainly not going to rely on players like Isaiah Coulter or even Daz Newsome, although you should give both those guys a fair shot to get the job done. So is Jakeem Grant just in there? Because the Bears have no more bodies. I think that's something to consider. Love the stock up with David Montgomery, by the way. I had About 33 or 34 points from him in a fantasy matchup on Sunday. So it was real nice to kind of get that win with the playoffs starting here. But guys, last thing before we get out of here, Bears-Packers score predictions. I'm going to go first. I have Packers 31, Bears 20. Listen, Green Bay is rolling right now. And whenever the Bears go up to Lambeau Field in late November, early December, you, Already know that Green Bay's got playoff seating on its mind. So I think they're going to go ahead and they're going to win this game by 11 points. They're going to sweep the Bears. It's going to be the final nail in the coffin for Matt Nagy because he's going to be out in a couple weeks. And at the end of the day, guess what? Matt Nagy will only have one win against Green Bay in four seasons. Go ahead, Joe.
2: Yeah, my prediction is 38 24. Um, I think the Bears' offense does some decent things with Justin Fields in place. I don't think we have an answer for their offense at all. Uh, whether it's the rushing attack of Aaron Jones and uh, A.J. Dillon or Devontae Adams, a wide receiver, no answer at all. Um, and Aaron Rodgers will just tear us apart and he'll probably celebrate that he owns us again. Um, but I think Fields has a nice showing. I think um, Crosby probably misses a field goal or two that probably could, extend, could have extended their lead a little more, but... I think a 38 24 loss is definitely uh, reasonable, especially if Justin Fields plays as well as I expect him to.
1: Yeah, I I think this game's going to be a little closer than people think. I do think the Bears can play this Packers team pretty close, I think, for the first half. I think it's going to be the second half when the uh, Packers start to take over. I definitely agree if Justin Fields plays, this game's going to be a lot closer. Um, And ultimately, I thought we were going to get killed by the Cardinals last week. We only lost by 11. Uh, the Packers obviously are are behind the Cardinals right now, I think, in terms of standing. So obviously every game matters between both teams. I have Packers 28, Bears 20. I do think this game is going to be a little bit closer. I think David Montgomery and the run game for the Bears will get the Bears on the board early, but ultimately you can't run the ball forever. The Packers are probably going to score early and probably often, and ultimately the Bears are going to have to throw the ball and utilize whatever wide receiver weapons they do have. I do like that you said mentioned that point. Talking about how Jakeem Grant might be getting used more just because of injuries. I definitely don't disagree with that because, again, as I alluded to, the Bears' depth at wide receiver isn't great outside of the kind of few guys that they have. And most teams don't have huge, deep, you know, wide receiver classes, but ultimately you had guys like Rodney Adams dropping passes in the game on Sunday. Um, and as much as I love Rodney Adams, you can't have stuff like that when you're trying to make an NFL roster next year. So, Again, I think if the Bears can get a couple of pieces back, like Aaron Robinson, Akeem Hicks, which, again, we'll find that out more during the week as uh, injury reports come out. uh, The Bears can definitely have a chance to stay in this game if fully healthy, um, but ultimately, the Packers have truly kind of owned this Bears team for the past couple of years, um, so I still think the Packers are going to come out on top.
0: Yep, so it's consensus once again, and this is pretty much how it is. We all agree, and the Bears either win or lose. But listen, guys, that's going to do it for us. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Check out all the articles we write or that I write, I should say. Check out myself, Sam, and Joe on Twitter at Usain Kosha Sports. Sam and at Joseph Perf NFL. Happy birthday once again, Sam. Bear down, ladies and gentlemen. Stay safe, stay warm. It's supposed to snow, I think, on Saturday or Sunday, so might get some of that in the Green Bay area too. The Bears could be playing in their first official snow game of the season, but that's going to do it from us. Bear down, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get out of here. Good morning, good evening, and good night, wherever you may be. Bear down.
2: Bear down.